everyone, thank you for tuning in to this installment of the P2 Podcast. You have myself and Coach Bryce here again to just kind of talk with you guys again about the things that you know we see in the industry that we see with our clients. You can tune in anywhere, um, that being YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere that will take our money. Thank you again for showing up, and we hope you enjoy. I don't know why. I feel like it's so weird whenever people will be like, Coach Bryce. I, I think that sounds so weird. Yeah, I don't know. Same thing. Coach Chris, Coach Bryce. I'm like, Chris and Bryce, it seems easier, but whatever. Or I'm just Bryce. I'm not Coach Bryce. I'm just Bryce. Just Bryce. Well, Bryce. Um, all right. Now, yeah. So uh, thank you, Chris, for the the very brief and concise intro. Always appreciate that. Um, no. So today, what we're going to talk about is some mental health stuff. So this is obviously a very, uh, very sensitive topic. And I think that both of us are going to do our best to treat it as the sensitive topic that it is while also like for myself i know that some thoughts i have on this are probably going to be i don't know maybe a little upsetting for some people but like at the same time i think that like the frame and the context of it is super important so we'll definitely get into that um but obviously this is an incredibly broad and deep topic as well so we're not going to be able to get anywhere near um comprehensive or as deep as we would like to into some of this stuff we're probably going to go off on many tangents many rants um and you know we might keep it pretty surface level uh but at the same time i do think that both of us have uh quite a bit to say on this topic um starting with our clients and how some of our observations as coaches have influenced the way that we think and approach mental health um, and then obviously, like, as we continue through the conversation, I think we'll maybe get into some of our own personal experiences. And then from there, who fucking knows where we'll end up. So, yeah. Um, again, yeah, just, you know, kind of starting this off, I think that it's probably a good bet for us to keep it a little bit more fitness oriented. Yeah. Um, so for myself, like I've been doing this for quite a, a long time and um, I, I work at this point with mostly like pretty high level athletes, uh, mostly bodybuilding competitors and things like that. Um, and if there's any demographic that has some really in need of help, mental health issues, or, you know, I guess we can label body dysmorphia, we can label, um, you know, food, food problems. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, why can I not think of that? It's like relationship. Yeah, relationship with food. I was going to say security. I was like, that's not the well, um, Yeah, like, like poor relationships with food, all of those things. And um, I, I think that like classically, we think of mental health more as like depression, anxiety, mania, bipolar, those types of things. But um, whenever we're dealing with it, with it in the fitness space, it, it is a little bit more expansive because then you start to bring in a lot of other variables. Um, but with the clientele that I typically work with these days, it is honestly amazing how the the most seemingly put together people that you will ever encounter are holding on by freaking thread whenever you really get to know them and you really start to kind of peel back the layers. And I, I definitely don't think that um that all of the the contextual components of mental health in fitness are talked about nearly enough 
on the other side of that, I think publicly outside of fitness, they're almost talked about too much, but we can get into that later on. Um, but things like like body dysmorphia, right? Um, I, I I think that it is probably the thing that I deal with the absolute most with all of my clientele is trying to figure out a way for them to be okay with the way that they look in the moment all the time. Like just always be okay, be content with how you look in the moment. Um, it's difficult because if you're working with people that are like very high achievers and they're competitors or potentially they're, they're professional athletes um, and they build that, that status based off of how they look, it, it can be really challenging. But that's something that I have found to be probably the most surprising aspect of working with the clientele that I do. And I never would have expected that whenever I started working with a lot of like really high level athletes is that, man, they, there's a lot going on under the hood. And I don't know like what your experience is, but I mean, we've obviously talked about it, but like, um, maybe if you want to add some context to that, so I, I can build off of what you say too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it goes back to people are people, um, and there is an, an other nest that we kind of categorize people, um, at least into like when we see them at a certain level, right? IFBB pros, pro athletes that are, you know, field sport athletes, et cetera, et cetera. You kind of go, okay, like what, how bad could their life be? Like subconsciously, your brain's almost what I do. Like everything looks good. looks good. You look good. Life looks good. Like everything looks smooth. Um, and it just lends itself to the fact that like, you don't know anyone's story, right? We mentioned this before on a podcast or two ago, where it's like, you don't know what some, what it took for someone to get there. You sit there and you look at someone, you say their life must be this, but you don't know someone else's story. It's really, really eye opening when you meet somebody and they are open with you. And all of a sudden you start hearing like, wow, like your life sounds a lot like mine. Um, you know, even something like, uh, just slight diversion coming right back. I was talking to my little brother about like, he's like, I'm different. I just think differently. I just think differently. I'm like, have you ever read a book by like, say like read a biography by like, Elon Musk or not by, but uh, like Elon Musk's biography. Steve Jobs, all of these guys, troubled things that happened in their life. Like they, they seemingly like, dude, this life, person's life is awesome. But then you get to the nitty gritty of it, and I'm like, I guarantee that if you're reading it, most readers can go, I can relate to that. Poor relationship with a parent, poor relationship with food, poor relationship with self-image, and so you bring it back to these athletes, and there definitely is a perception. And I think that I might even like add to it because now they feel like they have to uphold whatever the perception is of them. And so I've definitely noticed it. Um, and then you mix in the fact that, you know, you are in a sport where it is all perception, right? It's not about what you can actually go out and do. It's all about what you look like, what your life looks like, what your smile looks like, what you look like in a bikini on stage. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely like when you think about it objectively, it makes sense, but definitely like you, like you get kind of shocked, kind of like, I think culture shop, you start working with people and you assume a certain level of like togetherness, like they're good. And it's just not that way. It also makes it really challenging. I mean, I'm just gonna keep it a little bit more bodybuilding oriented right now, because personally, that is the clientele that I mostly work with at the moment, but it does make it even worse whenever the whole sport that you compete in is based on strangers telling you that your body is either good enough or not good enough. And they're critiquing every aspect of your appearance. 
not even just your body. They're critiquing, if you're a woman, your hair, your makeup, your jewelry, your the color of your suit that you're wearing. Like, I mean, it, it is insane. Like, we we know men that compete as well. I mean, they'll go get the, their hair done. They'll they'll be wearing makeup. Like, they're they're getting everything done. So you're getting critiqued down to the most minuscule degree by again strangers. These are m- mostly strangers. They're mostly people who, if it was turned around on them, would I mean it would be pretty problematic, you know. So that I think tends to compound the issue because you're being put literally put in order of you you, I guess, you know, or your appearance, but in reality, it feels like you, everything about you are this much worse or this much better than these other peers of yours. Right. And for someone who is like mentally very, very, very resilient and can compartmentalize those things, they can shrug it off. They can be like, it it is what it is. It's a sport. Like, you know, shit happens. Fine. Not a big deal. For a lot of people, like that's pretty troubling, you know, like that, especially if you're working really, really hard for a specific goal and you're being told all the time by everyone around you as you're working towards that goal that like, oh my God, you look so good. You look so amazing. This, 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 all of that you're being hyped up and then you fall short of your goal or you're disappointed by your placing or you get some critique that really stings. I mean, these fucking judges say the dumbest shit, man. Like it's crazy. I don't think that they think about the stuff that they're saying sometimes. And especially the, the, the population, the demographic that they're talking to. I mean, these are a lot of, a lot of the time, young women, mm-hmm. and you're, you're telling them things that like they need to improve on their body where it's like, bro, what? And I mean, it, it, we know this for, a fact because we work with a lot of clients, but like a lot of, a lot of young women that, that compete in bodybuilding, bikini, any division there, like they will get breast augmentations just to be more competitive in the sport for no other reason than to improve their potential placings. But let's just say that everybody in bodybuilding woke up tomorrow, all the, the judges, all of like the rules change. And we're like, actually we, we don't want big breasts on stage. They're, they're too distracting. We don't think that's part of the bodybuilding culture anymore. So we're going to start penalizing for, for obnoxiously large breasts, you know, all of a sudden, man, like that's, that's a pretty eye-opening problem or pretty eye-opening issue now. And the thing is, is we would see the opposite happen. Everyone would get breast reductions. And that I think is symptomatic of a gigantic cultural problem in bodybuilding to begin with that's that's massively problematic um but that is a, probably a completely different thing that we could talk about at another time but um again like you're these are very impressionable people impressionable people for the most part and they're a lot of times very competitive mm-hmm. and there are there's at least a minority if not a majority of people that are doing this because they have low self-esteem issues and they think that competing or stepping on stage or doing well in bodybuilding or getting all of the the compliments and the status thrown at them by their peers they think that that is going to improve their self-esteem and make them have a better view of themselves and in reality it's the exact opposite because everything that you're doing is now under a microscope and you're creating an illusion of an appearance that is unsustainable yeah and everything is compared to your peak 
and you always think about your peak and all of the compliments that people are giving you at your peak. And then that creates just this spiral downward in your ability to process where you are and what is realistic and what is healthy and what is sustainable. Um, just because you're so anchored to your peak, right? Yeah. And I mean, we see a lot of coaches that will prey on that too and be like, oh yeah, like just more, we've talked about more drugs, less food, more extreme, et cetera, et cetera. And the reality is there are so many people that like don't have, don't have like the mental health capacity. Like they are not resilient enough to be able to actually compete in yeah. bodybuilding. Um, a lot of people aren't, mentally resilient enough to be able to compete in any sport much less bodybuilding yep. and i don't think that people take that into account nearly enough or think about the potential consequences of what happens if i diet for six months and step on stage it barely clothed and have strangers tell me whether i look good enough or i don't look good enough like what is the consequence of that for me in my head um but it is I mean, it's something that people should weigh more heavily because it is very, very, very important. It's something I actually talked to, to Dylan and a few other like coaches that I know um, that there should be some sort of like one-on-one. And I mean, obviously this will never happen because we've also talked about like not specifically Dylan, but like coaches want to make money, right? They're not going to, they're not going to potentially erode away incoming clientele by telling them that they don't think they're mentally, you know, in the spot to, to do this, right? Or maybe they don't feel comfortable taking on this client, right? And also that lends itself to like, who am I to tell you you are already? But like, there are glaring signs, right? Like we've talked about people coming in and saying like 17, 18, 20 year old girls saying, I'm, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to become a pro. Like, why? Like this, this sport will take everything from you and give you nothing back. Like not even at the pro level, like it will give you nothing back and you, unless you have like something that anchors you, like this is why I do it, right? We know people who have whys who maybe their parents were pros or parents were competitors. And so like, it's kind of in the family. They also have that, um, that like shoulder that understands, right? They can go to their mom and their parents. And like, that's really, really important. I think having the people around you that allow you to, or remind you to put things in perspective because we all will lose it. Um, especially when you're talking about people who are on very little food um sleep's probably fucked up because they're on very little food right they're on stimulants keep themselves awake possibly drugs uh you're you're gonna lose sight of reality at, at some point right and then it is competition right it's competition to your point i don't i won't say not everyone's made for it um and this is just my possibly completely way off base opinion but i don't think it is that far off base i think that bodybuilding attracts it doesn't always attract high level athletes who are athletic somewhere else it attracts people coming to prove themselves it attracts people coming to find belonging not someone who already has felt that right not someone who's already been a part of a big team you know for a while a multitude of teams met people different people had to work but also has been like hey listen you're not better than her you're not better than him. And until you are, you're going to ride the bench. Until you are, you're going to play that position, not this position. When you start that off as a little kid, you know, you, it sucks, but like you get used to it over and over again. And you learn how to take that like competitive edge and go, well, I'm going to make it make me better and hopefully make them better and the team better. But if you come fresh out, like, yeah, I was 
in dance, like no offense to dancers, dancers are fantastic athletes, but I like, you know, in a place where it's like, okay, well, now you're directly competing with the person right next to you that's on your team and the person next to you on the stage, the person next to you in the gym. And there's a million factors at play, right? It's not just how long they've had in the game. Have they been training longer than you? What drugs are they on? Genetically, are they just predispositioned to be better than you, right? And then we talk about like the female side of things. I think more so than the male side of things, like it goes into like your face, your makeup, what you look like. Like if you are an objectively more attractive female standing next to an objectively possibly less attractive female, the more attractive female may win purely because she is more attractive in the face and her whole body as opposed to like you can like as a man, you can just be gargantuan, go on stage. And it, it isn't always about that, right? It's a bit more, I think, balanced there. It is definitely more beauty-esque when you have the women's side. So again, can you sit there, train six months, a year, go through an off season, go through in season, prep diet all the way down, get on stage come dead last and not have any of your own perception of self eroded away, that's a tough ask for anybody. Yeah, no, I agree. And kind of what you were saying there at the end about it being more like beauty oriented. I mean, I would say that a lot, well, especially bikini, bikini is more of a pageant than anything. Like there have been times when it has turned a little bit more extreme in terms of like body composition where it's like, hey, you need to be jacked, you need to be lean as well. But I feel like for every pendulum swing to the extreme, they kind of swing back to, okay, this is more pageant again, right? Um, and I mean, I guess the the complementary aspect of that for men is like men's physique, you know, where it is a little bit more, uh, it's more pageant-esque, you know? Like there, there are more aspects of like, hey, you have to get done up, you have to have a certain look, you have to move a certain way to be rewarded, right? And and I think that's okay, right? Like, it's just like the framing. Frame frame that in the correct way um, because there are a lot of aspects of both of those divisions that, well, I guess the what it was meant to be was meant to be more of kind of like that pageant-esque. But obviously, like what we were talking about, like there there have been moments where it's turned a little bit more towards, all right, the blending of the lines are, are getting a little bit more challenging to discern. So that's something that I do think that it, it is worth talking about just in terms of like divisions. But um, with, with competing in any sport, I think it's important to talk about, like, there is a massive psychological component, but that doesn't necessarily mean mental health, right? right. Like psychology of competition is its own extremely broad topic here. And that would be a freaking podcast series on its own. Um, but I do think it's really important to understand how those things differ, right? Like psychologically, you can be a very resilient person while also having mental health issues that hold you back in various ways, right? And I don't think that those two things are necessarily linearly co correlated. And they get confused a lot, right? You can also be psychologically a very weak person while having no mental health issues, right? Like, like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are psychologically weak. Like that is, that is not what I'm saying. Right. So like, if you have a poor relationship with food and you're someone who cannot resist your cravings, that doesn't make you a psychologically weak person. Like there, there are differences there. Right. Um, and same thing, if you are someone who d deals with body dysmorphia, like that doesn't make you psychologically weak. 
there are massive, massive differences there, right? If you're a psychologist, you are psychologically weak if you lose and then you never compete again because you can't take the pressure of potential failure. That is that is a psychologically weak person. You're psychologically weak if you can't train hard enough or push yourself hard enough to be able to to be able to get to that point, right? Or to be able to get on stage. If you cannot sustain that, like you are, that is much closer to being psychologically weak, right? Or if you're someone who who gets intimidated at the prospect of competition, that is being more weak psychologically. Those are very different than someone who deals with issues with mental health. And I think that that is, again, that's that a very important distinction to make. Um, but as we continue to kind of like get further into this, I want to venture a little bit away from the fitness component of what we're talking about here and get more into like the the broad, like, all right, like what, what are the things that we notice here? What are some of the things that we've experienced with this? Um, and I think that that will kind of carry the conversation a little bit further. So um, you can obviously start because... I think that, you know, you have some good things to say about this. Um, and I, I probably just, I like, kind of pick up the the pace with my rants. For sure. No, I, um, and to your point, like you said, I, I believe that there's definitely a distinction needs to be made between the fortuitous, fortuitousness, right? Like how, how strong someone is, um, mentally versus someone actually having what you would consider, uh, something they specifically struggle with, right? You know, okay, it's like, you know, I weakness lends itself to like when things get hard, you don't want to show up, right? Like that, that, that's just kind of how it goes. And like, there are people um, that are out there. There are even people who are strong mostly who have weaknesses in certain realms or certain just atmospheres, right? So um, definitely glad you made that distinction. Um, as far as like- I was, I was saying another, another good example of like psychological weakness is someone who like can't hit the clutch free throws, mm. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like it's, per, it's more performance based, right? So that's what I would consider to be more like sports specific psychological weakness. Yeah. This is something that is almost like brain chemistry based, right? Like mm. there are certain things that you, I mean, can't really rectify psychological weakness like that. And I, it, it's not necessarily ingrained either that's such a tricky fucking subject man it was like overlap right because you have things that are like chemically like hey like your brain is more to predisposition to do x to think y but then you also have like the nature versus nurture it's like you can curate a psychologically weak child like you can you can literally raise a person to be psychologically weak you can also raise the person to have an inner i should say you can encourage certain um mental struggles we can start like definitely some depressive episodes can be encouraged right like body dysmorphia can be encouraged like depending on the home you grow up in it, it's it's definitely a tough distinction it definitely is yeah something oh okay so something like self-esteem self-worth self-confidence body dysmorphia like that is very um very nurture right like that is very environmental if you grow up and your parents consistently demean you and talk down to you and your mom is like you know fuck i have to buy you another pair of pants because you can't fucking fit into the old ones jesus christ like if you're getting stuff like that yeah dude that is yeah of course that is gonna fuck with you man and at the same time like you know if you're someone who whenever you're you're a child have you've been put in the pressure or in the position of having pressure on you consistently 
then all of a sudden, like, you know, those clutch free throws aren't that big of a deal whenever you have to figure out how your family is going to eat next month, yeah. right? Like there are different levels of pressure, but we've talked about this before, like the earlier that you're subjected to pressure in life, the better off you're going to be. Obviously, if that pressure can be overcome, like, I mean, there, there are certain types of, of pressure that can result in very negative outcomes. Again, you know, if you are someone who was like nervous or insecure about shelter or food, like, yeah, you could be the type of person that goes out and works harder. You could also be the type of person that steals, right? So there are like, there are potential negative outcomes of these things. But again, it's like the nature versus, versus nurture thing. Like, it, wow, I can't say it. Nature versus nurture. Um, that can go in so many different directions. I mean, that's a super fucking complex topic. But um, no, like, I mean, again, I, I would ask you this question, right? And I think that, that that's kind of where I want to go with this. So like for you, what are some of the things that you've dealt with in terms of like your own mental health? And um that's again a, a really, really broad question. And you don't have to go into super specifics in terms of like events or names or any of that stuff. But I do think that it would kind of humanize what we're talking about a little bit more. For sure. No, and that's actually where I was gonna go. So perfect. Uh because I think that there is uh the heavy it's not talked about enough, I think, how much people um you know, I as a man definitely have talked to other men, but I don't think that this is lost on either gender, either sex. Um, the fact that, or anyone, I should say, I just, just blanketly say anyone, lost on anyone. The idea that what I do, what I provide, what I accomplish is who I am and what I am worth to the people in the society around me. Um, so obviously in the realm of bodybuilding and fitness, that's very, very apparent, right? Like you're only as good as the medals you get the score, the, the championships you win, the points you score. Um, but I definitely felt that very strongly as a kid. Um, it's one of those things where like you talk about like just like reflecting. Um, and I don't, I would be hard pressed to meet a person. Um, I think that while living their childhood knew their childhood was like trauma ridden or like it was tough. I think that as a kid, you just kind of think like this is just how it is, right? You, as you get older, you start looking at maybe how your friends are living and going, oh, that, that seems like it's easier than what I got going on over here. But I think as a kid, like, you don't really think about shit being that bad. Like, this was, this was life, you know? Um, it wasn't until, like, I was writing, like, a year or so ago that I started to remember, um, probably from the time I was, like, I don't know, six or seven to the time I was, like, ten, um, whenever my parents would get upset with me or whenever I felt like I was falling short, I would go to my room and I would open hand, kind of like open fistish, hit myself in the face, like hard. And it was a, uh, it's a super interesting thing to think about, like just a kid being that angry at whatever, right? And so going back and thinking about it, I think I told my grandmother about it, she's the only one to do. Um, and a lot of it came from just like the idea of like, I'm making everyone's life around me hard because I'm not showing up the way I need to show up. I'm not as good as I need to be, um, especially when it came down to like my relationship with my dad. He just for blanket statement had a lot of things going on. He had a lot of things he, he was taking care of, he was doing. Um, today, my dad and I have a very, very open and, and cool relationship um, where we can talk about a lot of this stuff. But back then, like he wasn't around. And I thought that if I was better in school, if I was the best in school, if I was the best on the field, if I was the best on the court, he would. 
uh, you know, show up. The better I got, you know, um, whether there was like a, a good motive to get better or not, you know, good being in quotations, he, he still didn't show up, right? He still found other things to do, other ways to, to occupy himself. Um, so it taught me a very, very viable lesson that I wasn't able to learn until looking back on it. Um, but it also taught me to like, like depend on myself, right? It taught me how to kind of grow and learn how to find the things I was looking for in other people and myself, right or wrong. Um, and I think it's a very, very valuable lesson that you have to learn. And so I had many bouts. It was, it was it's funny, like ending relationships, whether it was my doing only, it was a mutual doing, like ending relationships, losing friends, like every time I felt like a little like tinge of that little six to 10 year old kid who would hit himself when he felt like the people around him didn't see him the way he wanted them to see him um, because of whatever, right? And so I think that that's probably like my biggest like reoccurring thing is not attaching what I can do for someone, how I show up for someone or what I have accomplished, right? Like look at me and look at me on Instagram or look at me on the court or on the field or look how jacked I am or look how smart I am and the big words I can use. Like trying to say, hey, I do this shit for me. I, I, I care about like bettering myself because I want to be the best variation of me I can be when it's all over. I want to contribute the most I can to the collective consciousness when finally, you know, it, it's a wrap. Um, and not letting that like, oh, but I do want people to see me a certain way. I want people to like me. I want people to revere me, you know, and I think it's a normal thing as a as a person to want. It's just not letting it control your narrative, not letting it take hold and make you do things that you might not otherwise do. Um, I think that's a big, big, big piece for a lot of people. Uh, this I, I have my own answer to this question, but do you think that seeking validation from someone in your childhood, whether it's a parent, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a mentor, a teacher, do you think that that constant seek search for approval is a good thing or a bad thing in total? Like, do you think that that was a good thing for you, or do you wish? that you would have never had to to go through that i'm gonna say for me and i'm gonna say for and I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for this maybe who knows for my future kids for people who i think interact with me in the future i, I expect things of people i do and i want them to try to live up to those but it's not because of me it's not for me and i think that's the thing that's as a kid, I try to wrap my head around and of course your parents tell you like when they want you to do well in school or whatever, it's for you. This is for you. This is your future. This is your future. Even if they are pushing you in a direction that you do not want to go. So I guess to answer your question shortly, I would say, yes, I think it was good for me. I was, I'm glad I went through that. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's several studies obviously that are coming out that <clears throat> say the, the right amount of trauma like builds a level of resilience that usually leads to high achievers, people who do really, really cool things um, or have really, really like exponential impacts. And I think that's where I'm kind of coming into, right? I'm getting messages from people, <clears throat> especially when I was posting a bit more and I want to get back into just my writing and sharing. Um, I had a guy message me. Um, you, we both know him, but he messaged me the other day. And, waited, like, and it was just crazy. He goes, hey man, I had a dream about you, which is like, already nuts to start oh off but I, I was just like all right 
And he's like, I had a dream that you were having a really, really large impact on a lot of lives, even more so than what you're doing. Um, so like just whatever you're doing right now, I hope this like motivates you to keep going. Pretty much it. Have a good day, bro. I was like, if like not from a person who knows you really well, person I've had like maybe a dozen interactions with, and most of them being in passing at a festival or whatever, no real deep conversations. And I just like sat there and my eyes are watering up and I'm just like, because that's what I, I do want. It's, it's not. And I think I've transcended that space of like wanting to be liked versus really wanting to feel like my existence has mattered, really feeling like, you know, I, when I leave this place, like I have left a very positive mark. The world is a better place having had me exist in it. Um, and I don't think it comes from a pride or anything like that so much as I just, I just really want, I like helping people. It, it makes me feel really good to know that the world is better or someone's life is better having talked to me or, or had an experience with me. So I think that actually is the grown up version of that little kid who's trying to seek approval from his mom, from his dad, who, who just wants them to be proud because it's the pride you see and that makes you feel good based on something you did. And so I've taken that and I feel like kind of morphed it into something that is positive and also doesn't eat away at me when um, I don't get it, right? I think that that's the, the key piece is like if you do sit there and you write this super, super hard open piece, a poem, a story or whatever, and it gets four likes and no one says, yeah, me too, bro, share, da, 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 whatever. And no one calls you. No one asks you to talk about it. Does that undo you? Right. Does that does that completely unravel you? Because if so, then I think there's probably more work to be done. Um, you don't want to hinge everything on that. But I do think there's something special of being able to share and feel like what you're sharing is being received in a certain way. And I think that that is just the grown up version of seeking that approval. I think it ultimately comes down to like what what motivates you. Right. Um, especially whenever we're talking about like people who are perpetual validation seekers or they're always looking for other people to show them some kind of like you know status achievement or they they want the compliments or they need they need showered right like they they need all of that like positive energy towards them to be reminded that they are you know they're they're worth it they matter like they're they're important it's like all of those things right um i think that they're like everyone has to have something that is driving them Absolutely. Everyone needs something, right? Because if there's nothing that drives you and you don't know what drives you, then what do you like? What do you do? Where do you go? Like, I mean, you, you just wake up every day and like do the same bullshit every single day. Like there, there's that's circular. There's nothing happening there. Right. So everyone needs some driving factor that is like their, their internal motivation, right? Their intrinsic motivation. Um, I think that some people do get that from a shitty childhood, you know, like some people get and become motivated and they become high achievers because their childhood was so fucking bad for whatever reason, for various reasons. And then it molded them into be that person. And that, I don't think that's good, but it's reality, right? Like some, some of like what we were talking about before, like some of the highest achievers have been kind of products of like shitty childhoods yeah. or, or shitty environments, or they were pushed to be that way because of character flaws and personality flaws in them, right? Like Steve Jobs is a good example. Like Steve Jobs was a huge asshole, right? A huge asshole. And he was really challenging to be around. He was challenging to work for. 
but he was obviously a high achiever. Like, <laughs> like, uh, what, what am I thinking about? Uh, fucking Musk, dude. Jesus Christ. I don't know why my brain is like not clicking right now, but Musk like had a really insane childhood, bad childhood. His dad is super fucked up, like incredible narcissist. It's insane. Right. And yeah, like you can say whatever you want about like Elon and like how he is. And I'm, yeah, dude, he's definitely a narcissist as well. But like you have to understand like where that came from, like why he is the way that he is. And, like that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it okay. That doesn't absol absolve him of the issues that he has. But it does give it more context. So you understand that person a little bit more. Yeah. And for me, I I, I probably won't go into like too much of my own like mental health shit. But like, um, I don't know, just for, for as like a... a high level for me right like um i feel like i've always kind of known that i i, don't, I feel like everyone says this says this but like i feel like i've always kind of known that like there was something a little bit off with me um like even whenever i was like younger i was like man i don't know shit just doesn't affect me the same way that it seems to affect other people like um whether it was like empathetically or emotionally i was like it just it, i don't eh, i don't really feel the same way right i we've talked about this before i feel like i'm often like rational to a fault like to the point that it becomes somewhat detrimental for my ability to make decisions because i don't account for a lot of people's emotions um but i mean i i had a weird childhood and like i'm not gonna go into like too much depth there because it's uh that would take a long time but i had a really weird and insecure childhood and it went through periods of like extreme rigid authority and also extreme laxity and like no oversight and just kind of do whatever you want. And I don't think that was good for me as, as a, a child, as like a, a teenager to you know, those pendulum swings. Um, somehow I made it out and I'm like fucking not dead and I'm not arrested and that's okay. And that's good. Um, but at the same time, I do think that like, you know, a lot of the things that I dealt with whenever I was a kid and kind of molded it into me or molded me to be the adult that I became. Um, and with that, like I, was not a good person for a long time. Like I, I had a lot of serious flaws and a lot of serious issues within who I was like fundamentally who I was. And for the longest time, I basically just excused those problems and, and assumed that it was just the way that I was. It was like, well, I can't change it. It's just who I am, you know? And like, I tried to use a lot of those things as an excuse. Um, and then, as I got older, I also started to kind of deal with like mood swings a little bit more. And I guess like the best way I can describe mood swings is like, oh, like periods of, like mania and like depression, right? Like not clinical depression, the point where I need to be like institutionalized, but like, like kind of paralyzing depression and anxiety, right? So I will we'll go through these periods where I, I go up and down pretty violently and I've got a lot better at managing that stuff. Um, cause I'm more aware of it and I can kind of sense it and I, I feel what's going on inside of me in the moment. Whereas before I just kind of rode with it and it wasn't something that I even gave credit to. Um, but before I used a lot of that stuff as, as an excuse for acting the way that I was acting, which was bad. I was acting like a piece of shit and I was making really poor decisions. And I was just, like I said, I was overall just a bad person. And, um, I do like to think that I have improved in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of the improvement has come from just general self-awareness and like also a resistance for me to use 
these things as excuses for how I am and how I will be in the future. Uh, and I, and that, that to me is ultimately the, the biggest gripe I have with, with mental health in general is that it's too often, I think, used as an excuse for people behaving or acting or, or saying things that are problematic and it absolves responsibility to improve in any capacity because you say, oh, well, you know, like I can't, I can't work. I can't do this because I have depression or I can't do this because I have anxiety or I did that because of my childhood trauma. It's like, that's not okay. Like that isn't, that isn't automatically absolving you of the responsibility that you have as a member of society to act a certain way. Right. And everyone deals with their own shit and everyone also has the responsibility to manage their own shit. Yeah. And just because you have depression or just because you are bipolar or just because you have, have some specific childhood trauma, like that, that does not mean that as an adult, everyone else must bear the burden of that responsibility while you try to figure your shit out. Right. Right. I am super empathetic of people that deal with shit, right? Because I have, I have dealt with shit and it's not fun going through that stuff. Right. But at the same time, like I said, I, I do think that it is important to frame this in a way that is understanding it's, it's empathetic. It's sympathetic. It's, it's making things okay to talk about and it's making it okay to bring these things up whenever you are struggling with something. I think that is probably the biggest point, but at the same time, not using it or not using these things as crutches or excuses. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, and we've talked about this before, like, you know, positive movements pushing so hard in one direction that they slowly kind of become negatives. And one thing I've noticed with mental health discussions is that at this point, it almost feels like if you don't talk about your mental health, like you're not part of the cool kids club, you know, like if you're normal, like that's almost seen as a bad thing to say like, oh, I don't have depression. I don't deal with, with anxiety. Like I'm, I feel okay. I'm happy. I'm generally happy. Like, that's almost seen as like a negative thing where it's like, oh fuck, like look at this guy. Like he can't even understand. He doesn't understand. Like, oh, mm, that seems kind of wrong, right? That seems wrong to demonize someone or like look at them differently because they don't have mental health issues. Uh, but like I said, I also feel like there is a, there's like a push towards claiming everything is a mental health problem is, or a mental health crisis as well. So like just because you, you're anxious about thing doesn't mean that you have mental health issues right just because you're sad doesn't mean that you have depression like like these are also it's very important to distinguish between a lot of this stuff right people that suffer from clinical depression are in a very different state than someone who woke up feeling sad because it's cloudy outside and like their girlfriend dumped them like yeah very, very different things. And I'm not sure that people fully appreciate the severity or like the gap in the spectrum of emotion of emotions and emotional capability 
Um, because if you're if you're someone who's dealt with depression, you know it's not just sadness, right? If you're someone who's dealt with mania, you you know it's not just energy, right? There's yeah. there is a qualitative gap in these things. There's definitely yes, and I think that is it's key. It's funny, and I don't know if this is just my upbringing or what. Um, I mean, growing up, if there's any person of color that is listening to this, I guarantee that the likelihood of them agreeing this is pretty high. Um, you, you couldn't say you were depressed in my house, right? You, you say you're depressed. My mom would be like, go depress them dishes, bro. Like, you know, like it, it was one of those things where, you know, quite frankly, like it was described to us, like that's just, that's just white people looking for a reason to complain, right? You know, this is a, a, why their lives are bad. Okay. Um, which is one of those, <laughs> which is one of those things where it's just like, I know where it comes from. It comes from, you know, I, I understand the rigidity and the sometimes like marginally weird context in which I was brought up and the harshness sometimes of like my dad or my aunt or grandma because they prepared me for a relatively harsh world in certain aspects, right? Like, okay, listen, like he, you don't have the opportunity to, you know, be a dick here or fuck off here or whatever because there will be opportunities that you will lose based on just what you look like. So I'm going to treat you pretty much like the world's going to treat you. And so I think there's definitely a, a harshness that kind of came immediately. And growing up, I it's only reflecting on, it's not like a recession. It's reflecting on moments in life that I realized like that was a depressive bout. And I almost never seen I was like, I was depressed. I, said, eh, I had a depressive episode. I had several months where I didn't want to get up and I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to close the blinds. And I wanted to vanish from this world. I, I would rather not exist. Um, and I would call that like, that's a depressive episode. I wouldn't say that I've ever struggled with like chronic depression. I have friends who have, um, and I don't know if that comes from, uh, I just, cause I also have a very strong, like anti, anti victim mentality, probably too strong and probably a little too rational and logical, pretty much saying that everything that's ever happened to you is within your control. And if something is mildly out of your control, how you respond to it is a hundred percent in your control. So stop blaming other people in the world for the way your life is. Um, yeah, and that's something we can add more context to because uh, I, yes, I, I definitely agree with you though. Yeah. Um, which I was going to bring me to, where do you think your recognized relatively early? Cause I didn't recognize this in myself until later on in life when people started to tell me that I was like callous or cold or I didn't have a heart or I was an asshole. Um, like that lack of empathy, like where do you, do you think that's something that was just kind of naturally always there? Do you think it was through experience? Like, where do you think that was fostered within you? Um, I mean, I'm not, this is going to sound so shitty, uh, but it's fine. It's fine. Like we have a better relationship now. I, I think that part of it comes from whenever I was growing up, my mom was just a very selfish person. Um, and she, she made decisions that kind of, you know, put me in a really, really bad spot as like a young kid. And I feel like that hardened me really early. Like it, like I developed just a shell around me. And I mean, you know, this, we've had these conversations, like it's really hard for me to open up to people. It's really hard for me to let people in. And whenever someone breaks my trust, like they're like, for me, they're done. Like it's like never again. Right. It's like, in my mind, it's very much like a old. You should have known you fucking idiot. Like, why would you ever allow someone to get that close to you? Right. 
So I think part of it is just like just being fucking disappointed as a child so often, right? Like eventually you just kind of become callous and you kind of have uh, a negative worldview and you kind of just look at people as more inherently bad. And it's funny because I think as I've gotten older, I've become more optimistic. Um, but whenever I was younger, I was definitely extremely pessimistic and it, I was extremely pessimistic about people and human nature. Um, so I, I, I think that that just created uh, a person who was more selfish and looked out for himself yeah. or others and didn't, didn't take the time to calculate the effect of his decisions and actions on other people around him. And I mean, look, we, we know where that got me. Like that got me nowhere good. But at the same time, I, I do think that all of the things that are, that happened to me, the way that they happened to me, the time that they happened to me was good. Like that, that was what I needed because in a lot of ways, I think that that kind of, that kind of like softened the exterior on me and made me less of a selfish person because I, I, saw the ways that like it, it wasn't even seeing it was about like experiencing the ways that that my decisions and my actions impacted the people that i really cared about and and i, I do think that that had like really profound effect on me and also just becoming older and being able to understand a little bit better like the decisions that like my parents made whenever i was young and also just coming around to the fact that I think eventually everyone starts to just realize that like their parents weren't these godlike figures. Like they were just humans that were trying to make the best decisions, but didn't know what the fuck they were doing either. Right. And as I've gotten older, I think that I've been able to compartmentalize those things a lot better as like, well, it's not a you thing. It's just a human thing. And like everyone makes bad decisions and everyone to a certain degree is selfish and all of these things. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I would say that a lot of that kind of developed early on just as a product of necessity. Like yeah. I, it, I, I could not have been soft growing up the way that I did. I think so. that's when they talk about like survival mode, right? Is a new, like the, the new term on, on Instagram and a lot of media. Um, I think there's merit to it. I think there's merit to the fact that, like you said, like people even talk about how much I joke, right? Like, I remember first meeting you and trying to get you to make fun of me back. Like, just say something back. Because I would always just poke at you and you'd be like, you didn't say anything. Socially awkward, motherfucker. No. Um, but it's just one of those things where, like, I grew up. That's what we did. And I always joke when people say something like, there are very few things you could say to me that would turn me, like, angry or hurt my feelings. Because I'm like, dude, I promise you, the person that I looked up to wanted to be like, hurt my feelings way more than any of you ever will. Like, and it was because that's just who he was. Um, and not because he wanted to hurt me. He didn't, he wasn't trying to beat his son down. You know, it's one of those things where like, that's how he connected. That's how he communicated when he was upset or happy or irritated or frustrated was an, an immediate jab, um, which did a lot for me trying to always prove myself to him. But it also, it did help hurt my, my self-confidence. I struggled to look people in the eye I struggle to speak slowly sometimes because I feel like if I don't say it fast enough, people will stop listening or they'll tell me to shut up or they'll cut me off or whatever. And so like trying to breathe, 
through talking and being a bit more confident, being able to look somebody in the eyes. Like these are all things that I used to work on. Like I would be in the mirror, like talking to myself or talking to like whatever in my room, trying to overcome those things. But like you said, you go through it enough and it's almost like you had to be hard. Like you had to, to stiffen up a little bit. Otherwise, like there was not much place for you to survive, whether it was in society with the kids you were around or at home with your parents. Um, and like you said, allowing room for them to be human. Like every person, especially women, when they beat my dad, they go, oh, you know, he's just like, because they see the broken promises. They see the, hey man, I'm gonna be, and he doesn't show up. I'm like, dude, it's been that way since I was a kid. It's I've, I've sat in a window at my mom's house waiting for him to show up to get a call hours after you're supposed to be there that he's like, right? You know, and that shit like sucks. Like you said, it breaks trust. You, and the thing is like, you're like a puppy then. Like you never stop waiting in the window. You keep going to the window every time that weekend comes, right? Um, and it's weird because you don't hold any resentment. You don't sit there and hate that person, but you do like, there's this like slow brew of like, like you said, a kind of lack of empathy where like I got older. It wasn't that I didn't understand that people got upset about things or things for people's feelings. But I struggled to sit there and listen to someone vent and go, that's so bad. I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? Like, what's the next step? And I've been accused of being callous or hard because I don't sit in that moment because I was never really allowed to. Um, but like you said, it's it's definitely one of those things that you just kind of develop. But on the same note, as we grow and understand, like, I did become selfish. I started seeking validation in other unhealthy ways, right? Like I've broken like engagements off. I've broken trust in relationships. I've sat there and to your point earlier, I kind of wanted to mention like, you know, we've obviously talked at length about um, our misadventures, you know, <laughs> growing up and stuff like that. And I think it's important for me, at least to you as like your brother, as your best friend, like be careful calling yourself the bad person. Right? I, I, I'm very, very, I'm very keen on this because I think that you were a person who was doing what he could and what he needed to do to make sure he made it to the next day, right? Like, and without a lot of those things, even if they did manifest in like a negative way for people around you, sometimes you strip a lot of that away and you end up with a person who hurts themselves or kills themselves or decides to completely dissociate from society because they've removed that shell. They removed the thing that is like pointy and hurting people around them but it's also the thing that's making them feel the most safe to be able to operate. Once you know better, trying to be better and working on it every single day, I think is the most important piece. Um, but I mean, I would encourage anyone listening. Like, it's one thing to say that you've grown and you were making poor decisions and, you know, maybe you weren't as, you know, uh, <laughs> progressed, elevated, mindful, aware as you'd like to be. And now you are working towards that. Um, but I, 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 it hurts my feelings hearing you call yourself a bad person. Cause then I look at myself and I'm like, dude, I was not much, I wasn't better. Um, but I'd like to believe that I was just learning and working. Well, I think it's relative, right? Like I, I haven't killed anybody, but I've done bad things. Right. And okay. So I, I, I do agree with you. Right. So like, I, I think that there is a difference between someone who does bad things and a bad person. And I, I did bad things. And I think that the way that I look at myself from the past is that this was a person who was doing bad things, who was not learning from the bad mm -hmm. things doing. And in a lot of ways, I think that that does start to make you a, a bad person. Like you are only as good as your track record. Right. And if you do a lot of bad things, like it's hard to call you a bad or a good person, right? Like, like 
I mean, I'm not going to call Jeffrey Dahmer a good person just because, you know, he converted to Christianity at the very end, right? Like, I mean, bro, yeah, you got, got a moral debt you got to pay, bro. Long time, you know? So it's like, I, I think that for myself, um, you know, I, I, I do appreciate the distinction. I will say, you know, that I did incur a lot of moral debt on, on the things that I, I did before, right? So I think now I'm trying to kind of like slowly pay that back and, and get my shit together and get on like a, a better track. And I definitely feel like I have in a lot of ways. And there's still a lot of ways that I feel like I can continue to do better. Um, but, you know, that's, I guess how it should be. Right. And I, th I think for me, even that, or like, even that recognition is, is a good sign for me. The fact that like, Hey, I'm doing better, but I, can still do better than what I'm doing currently. And like, I, I need to continue to try and do better. Otherwise, like, you know, I might fall back into old patterns or I might relapse and like continue to do some of the old shit because, you know, Mario and I had had these conversations before. And for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know, Mario is like one of our close friends who's also dealt with some of this stuff as well. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it feels very much like anyone who is, has made significant life changes there's all, it always feels like you're kind of running from something. It feels like you're just trying to stay a little bit ahead of that shadow that is trying, yeah, that's trying to catch up with you. And like for me, it's, it definitely feels like that in a lot of ways, right? Like I, I think that my self awareness at this point is what prevents me from doing a lot of the things that I've done before and making the same mistakes. But I'm not going to say that I'm a, a completely different person because those skeletons are still in my closet, you know, like, and I have overflowing closets, man. Like, like there, there, there's a lot going on there. And for me, it, I think it's just one of those things where it's like every day I try and just kind of tend to that, you know, I try and pay attention to where I'm at, how I'm feeling. I try and like check in with myself a little bit and it's, as much as I make, I make fun of people for for a lot of this uh, stupid bullshit, like woo woo stuff. But it is true, you know. Like there, there is an aspect of like, hey, just like pay attention to how you're feeling, pay attention to the things that are going on around you, but also in your head, you know. Like if you're noticing a pattern of behavior, or if you're noticing that there's an outcome in your life that feels like it's attached to you and you can't get away from it. That's probably a sign of something that you need to do differently. Not everyone else needs to do differently, right? Like, like for myself, we've talked about this at length, but I am pretty prone to like these like bouts of paranoia. And I think it comes with like manic episodes, but like for me, I can pretty easily switch into this mindset of like everyone is against me and can kind of come out of nowhere but a lot of times what precedes that is like something big and bad happening right like like a profoundly negative experience whether it's work or life something big happening and then kind of like what i was talking about before is like my my trust in something has been shattered and then that's almost like this realization of this wake-up call in my head it was like oh fuck that's why you don't trust anyone so then that makes me paranoid about everything even the people that have never given me a reason for me to not trust them. Right. So I know that I'm extremely prone to thinking in, in that way, but I feel like as I've gotten older and as I've kind of worked through some of those things, I 
can check in with myself in the moment and become aware that I am acting or I'm thinking or I'm feeling those things. And then it becomes a lot easier for me to be like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why am I acting like this? Why am I thinking this? Like, why do I, why do I feel like Chris is against me? Like Chris has never given me a reason ever to question his loyalty to me as a friend. Why do I feel like that right now? You know? And again, like for me, the, the hyper rationality, I think can come back out as a benefit whenever I question the illogical, irrational emotions that I'm experiencing. And I can almost like step out of my body for a moment and be like, why the fuck are you thinking this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then that can kind of snap me out of it for long enough to where I can get back on track. Because for me, I just need to sidestep that. I need to break that pattern for a moment. And then once I can get out of it, I can get back on track. But if I just kind of settle in and don't address it, then all of a sudden it's like complete derailment. And I'm just like fucking off. Yeah. No, it's hard to live in the gray. I mean, I think that, so yours is, obviously we talked about like the, the paranoia and like manic like slips um, with the voids that you can kind of slip into and how detrimental heck can be. I've experienced those in some degree. Mine probably come more in a, uh, a guy I have admitted by definition, I guess, like anxious attachment style, right? And I'm sure that comes from a level of like fear of abandonment that I've experienced. And I think, I should say this really quick because I want to say it earlier. Like my dad will probably listen to this. He actually likes listening to the podcast a lot. Um, my dad's awesome. Like he's he's grown so much. And as a parent goes, like being able to sit there and talk to my dad about like sex, drugs, relationships, growing, like all the different things that we battle with. And, you know, I think that you're in most traditional spaces, your dad is supposed to be this guy that kind of walks you through things. But instead, we kind of get to walk hand in hand together through conversations. We learn things from each other, obviously from having way more experience and me trying to experience and learn things about myself earlier, things that he was not encouraged to learn. I mean, my dad was 19 when he had me, right? So like put myself into like a teenage body with a kid and it's like, okay. And then also I think my dad was absent. His dad was not around, right? Like his dad was, was like vapor, ghost, an idea. So like you said, give lending them like, okay, like, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to sit there and say like absolve you of the things you did, but also I understand that you were doing the best with what you had. You gave me a lot because you didn't have a lot to give. So proportionally, like you gave me a lot, you know? So I will say that, um, I think for me, there was this like, uh, and always is, and it's hard to turn off sometimes. It's like looming, you know, they're mad at me. Like there, there's something like my brain caches all of these the way Bryce blinks, the way that Emily smiles, the way that Mackenzie says this, all the people who are most in close, like most important to me. And it's funny because I, I don't give a fuck what most people think. If I can't name you, I don't give a shit what you think, bro. If I can't call you, I don't give a fuck what your thoughts are on me. But the people who do matter the world to me, like if I feel like I'm off, it shatters me. Like it unra I cannot focus on anything else. And it's not even because they've said anything to me. If anything, that's the limbo that like probably fucks me up the most in that gray is being like, okay, well, Bryce normally sends me this this shit, or he normally says that, or Emily normally does this, or whatever. And now my brain can't stop running scenarios of what the fuck I did and what's going on here. Um, which I think, to your point, you kind of made earlier. I think a lot of the reasons why I made decisions that I made that were selfish, that hurt people, whether it was in a relationship or friendships or whatever, 
Um, it wasn't because I wanted to hurt somebody. And I think that's a very important distinction. And that's why I, I, I'm careful about the word like bad. It was a bad decision. You're not the worst of those decisions. It was a assumption that this person's going to let you down anyway. This person's probably going to leave you anyway because you're not good enough and they're going to find someone better and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. So the minute you get attached to them, they're going to bounce anyway. So you might as well take care of yourself. You might as well just live up to the expectation they have of you anyway. Um, and like obviously led me to some like pretty like dark and bad places, hurt a lot of people. And, you know, it's not where you want to be. Um, and like you said, though, like the awareness aspect is huge. And you kind of talked about like we both talked about it. We, we make fun of this topic actually a lot as, as deep as we go in a very real tone. We also go as deep into making fun of some of the shit that we see because there is a level, like I said, of like that victim mentality where now it's like I can assign the negative parts of me, these things that you now have to feel bad for and give me a pass for. Like I have high anxiety, so I'm sorry. I will not have this difficult conversation with you. I, I struggle with manic bouts of like bipolar episodes so if i mean to you and i say sorry you just have to say it's okay you know like those are things that i think we're we're starting to push ourselves into and it's it's funny because twofold to me this really pisses me off like it makes me very like irrationally angry one i think it does a lot of discredit to i would i could say like the uh the forerunners of the mental health space the people who have really been going through a lot of shit in new age before new age recognition was there, right? The people who struggled with depressive bouts and manic episodes who were just told to just smile, just be happy, just go for a walk. Like, they didn't have that attention that probably should have been given to what they were struggling with. And they made it to the other side through their own, own coping mechanisms, their own realizations, their own studies and awareness. And then also on a very base level, as a person who has a huge soft spot for people who like, are very different, especially in the way of like mental ability, right? It's people who struggle with, not struggle, I should say, people who have autism, people who have Down syndrome, people who literally, hey, listen, you cannot do this with this person because it will send them here. It will send them there. And so growing up, I spent a lot of time with people like this, who like in sports and just like volunteering and stuff like that. And it's, I hope to eventually open up a P2 wing where that's what, that's who I work with. Like I would love to work in that space. Um, when I hear someone go, I can't because I have anxiety. I can't because this thing. No, I can't hug Kyle because it makes him feel a crazy amount of overstimulation and it sends him into a tizzy. And now he's like completely like derailed the rest of the day. That's a can't, right? That is someone who literally cannot. When you say that about another person, when like you and I have a conversations about another person and we go, well, that's just them. It's like, I, in my mind, that's what that sounds like. You're now saying that this person and their lack of awareness is kin to autism. They, they just cannot overcome this, even though they know it's present. And that, to me, just it just gives me such a nasty, ick feeling. It makes me mad at that person. It makes me mad at the situation. And it makes me mad at this society that is like bubble wrapped these people and given them this crux or this you know excuse to just say, I can be what I want to be. And then you have to just say like, they're a good person. We just know that they struggle with. They're a good person, but they just, and now all your sins get washed away. It's not that way, bro. Uh, you, you saw the last season of Succession, yeah? You know the part where, where Logan walks in and he's like talking shit? 
to all the kids and he's like, you are not serious people. He's just like screaming at him, like, you're not serious people. <laughs> Bro, like, that's exactly how I feel with a lot of, of this stuff, right? Where, um, you know, it's <laughs> it's like, again, you get your feelings hurt. So you you have to take a week off of work because like mental health week. Like, okay, so that's another thing, right? Like the fact that mental health time off exists is a sign, right? Like it's like, is mental health or are mental health issues pervasive enough throughout society? Severe mental health issues. Again, not anxiety, not sadness, not I had a bad day, but like like clinical depression, paralyzing anxiety, like what you said, the the cannots, I cannot do this. That really pervasive enough to the point where every company needs to give all of their employees mental health time off, right? Maybe you could, I, I would, you, you can make an argument, right? Like I'll listen to the argument. My assumption here is probably not, okay? That, that, that's my assumption. My assumption also is that this is going to be abused. Yeah. And I think that any time that you any so this is my thing too. Anytime people can find clout or the potential of clout in anything, they will take advantage of it. What we've talked about with certain movements, right? Like we had like the the BLM stuff where we talked about that, where movement as an idea, good. Movement in practice, because it picked up a lot of bad actors, not so good in execution, right? It it disillusioned a lot of people that were potentially in the middle that they could have swayed with, with the, the moral grounds of the movement, but the way that it was executed really pushed a lot of people on the, to the other side. And I think that we're, we're kind of seeing this with mental health as well, where it's like, okay, we have this movement, this awareness movement, which is great. We like, that is, that is awesome. We want that. We, we don't want something like this to be stigmatized or tabooed. That is bad. Because this needs to be talked about. The only way that something like like mental health issues can be rectified is through talking about it, right? Like it, it need or at least maybe not rectified, but at least um, managed, managed, yeah. right? That's a better way. Like that is one way of managing some of these things. But whenever everyone has mental health issues, all of a sudden the people that truly need the help are thrown in the same bucket as people who are sad today. And it's like, that is not how these things are supposed to work. And one thing that I've noticed is like kind of what I mentioned before, where it it just, it feels like you're almost like an outcast if you don't say that you have mental health issues these days, which is like, that's its its own fucking thing. But I, I definitely feel like it is, it's a, it's a clout thing, which blows my mind that people have attached themselves to something like this to say, Oh yeah, like this is my way that I want to get attention. Shouldn't surprise me, but it is kind of mind blowing, and I always have to kind of like look at what's going on. Right? It's like yes, everyone deals with shit. Everyone has their own relative stressors in life. No one's childhood was perfect, right? But there also has to be something that is said about the severity of problems that people deal with and like the objective reality of the severity of those problems you know yes you can have trauma because your mom worked late every night and she you know got home at seven instead of 4 p.m you can also have trauma because your dad raped you to me those aren't the same childhood traumas and 
no matter how you explain that or try and try and equalize those as saying, well, everything is trauma or anything can be a, a trauma, you know, for me, it's like, no, like there are real boundaries here and like severity and magnitude, like those are real, real things that you need to actually take into account whenever we're discussing some of these things. And I, I, for me, it just always comes back to something what you said earlier is like the bit, the victim mentality, right? Like playing the victim and people that have true mental health issues that are aware of them, that battle them, that try to manage them. They don't use it as an excuse. That's the thing. Like if you're, if you're, that's got you off. But to me, if you're the first to call out what it is you struggle with, it's almost an immediate de devaluation in my head. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Like you're wearing this, like you're wearing this right here as opposed to like, kind of like, and I'm not saying like mine was, is better, but like, I think that if you are depressed, more people than not that I've talked to have struggled with chronic depression, did not know that they were depressed. Like they were so focused on trying to just be better and do the things they didn't know what was wrong with them, quote unquote. And so if someone comes out and goes, yeah, I'm this, I just struggle with this. I'm just like, I immediately go, <laughs> you know, and so, um, right or wrong. I, I think that there is something to be said for, like you said, everyone trying to wear this badge for a cloud of like, this is what I struggle with. Da, 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 da. Listen to me. Look at me. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. It, it's just, I, I think that what makes it difficult is that it's hard to, to filter the, the true severe cases that need to be addressed. Like this person is so far along that if we do not intervene, then they might do something bad. Or, you know, like they are, they have the finger on the self-destruct button of their life right now because of their, their, you know, internal crises that are, that are going on. Right. That is different again than someone who is having a Molly come down after a, a festival and they're sad, right? Like, man, like there are degrees to this and I, I don't think that that necessarily should discount people's feelings, but I will say this feelings are real, but not all feelings are valid. And this is something that is hard for me because I've gone back and forth on like the whole validity versus reality thing, right? Everything is real. Like if you're feeling jealous or you're feeling hurt or you're you're feeling sad or whatever, like that is real, but how is that valid? Like, like do those feelings match the source of those feelings or whatever caused those feelings to be the effect? And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes those feelings aren't valid. And I think that that's something that really needs to be addressed and talked about as well, because certain people just cannot process their fucking emotions. But that also is not a mental health issue that is a maturity issue yes. you learn how to process your emotions better and that to me is something that like i again i think that that these things get pushed so far to the extremes of oh i'm feeling this way so i can't do this today i'm feeling this way so i acted this way i'm feeling this way so like i said this but i didn't really mean it because i was just feeling that way but my feelings were valid though but what i said wasn't valid because i was feeling that way like, no, you can't have your fucking cake and eat it too. Right. 
like, that's not how these things work. You have to take responsibility for everything that you're doing, everything that you're saying, and everything that you're not doing and not saying, right? And I think that's, I think that is part of maturing and kind of going back to the mental health stuff. It's like people that truly, truly deal with shit, they don't use that as a crutch. They don't use it as an excuse for how they are acting or what they're doing or what they're saying. Like they're trying to work through it. They're trying to manage it. They're trying to improve. A lot of the times the, I don't know, I hate to say it like fakers or fraudsters or whatever, but people that are maybe like exaggerating things are the ones that are using that as the excuse of, oh, I'm depressed today, so I can't come to work. Or I'm upset, so I need a safe space at work. Or, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, to your point, like I said, it dilutes the message. It dilutes what's going on. Um, the way I think about this, and it's it's like saying everything's racist. Or everything's sexist. Or, right? yes. And I will say this too, and this is something I was going to say, but I didn't say it. But... Like saying everything is is rape or sexual. Like, so I wasn't going to say that, but I'll I'll say it because I I think that in that's where my head immediately went before, where it's like if everyone is crying wolf, then it dilutes the message. Like what you said, coming from a man, a white man, that doesn't necessarily mean as much, right? But I do think that like what you're saying with you know, whenever everyone claims that things are racist or everyone or people say that everyone is a Nazi for believing this thing, right? It was like, yeah, well, now it's getting a little bit harder to tell who the actual racists and actual Nazis and actual rapists are whenever everyone is thrown in that bucket, right? We need to be careful with our words. So back to you. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad you said it. I think that that's one of those things that like, this is a whole different podcast, which I'd actually love to maybe open this up to a three-person thing in the future where we have like a woman, because um, I think it would be pretty interesting. It's... I remember growing up being afraid of going to jail for rape because my mom pretty much said that, hey, like you could have sex with a girl and she'd wake up the next day and decide that's not what she wanted to do and tell people. And you would now be classified as this guy, possibly go to jail, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, that's fucking terrifying. Like it got to a point to where like I used to keep text threads that were years old to make sure that if anybody ever came back and said anything, I'm like, no, 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 no. I have receipts. I have I have all the receipts. You cannot run with this story. And that's tragic. It's terrifying. I want to hear a story. I want to hear that a certain athlete or a certain somebody did something to a, a woman or to a man. And I want to go, fuck that guy. I don't want to go. I know. Let me know more. <laughs> Tell me more. You know, I feel so. I feel like when when was it whenever it, it felt like a witch hunt? Was that like a few years ago? Yeah. I mean, like it, it was. I think. It's the, it was the pendulum swing, right? Because you had all this shit come out, like Ben Roethlisberger and all that, Kobe, all, all that stuff was like huge. Forgot about fucking Roethlisberger, bro. Yeah. And so it felt like, you know, we weren't really going at these guys as much as we could. And I understood what the leagues did, right? The leagues were like, they're trying to stand by these guys until they know for sure they did it, right? And then they obviously had public outcry. And so now it's swung the other way around where like, if anyone makes a peep, we're taking everything away from you. And then you might come out and be exonerated like a Johnny Depp or whatever. And but like, you know, it's 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 tough. And so I, I get the the fragility of the realm that you're playing in. But I like you said, I think that it's it's from the fact that we classify everything under these single umbrellas. You are depressed. That was racist. This is rape. This is that. 
And you don't leave any room for context, which dilutes the message of the one that like, hey, these, this actually needs our focus. There is a Klan rally in Florida that needs our focus. Not the fact that this, this place has a dress code. Is the dress code possibly systemically deterring certain groups of people to come there? Sure. Is the owner possibly racist? Sure. And also, I don't need to like put my energy into that. I don't care to march against fucking Park Street or whatever. Like, it's just call me a bad black person, whatever. But like, this is not, that's not my battle, right? Like, let me know about the fucking police that like, not police, but the former like sergeant that hunted down that kid in fucking Georgia because he was jogging to their neighborhood and shot him with this, like, like that to me, like, let's go, let's go hang those motherfuckers. Like, that's where I'm at. I don't want to focus on the, the other shit. So, or, or like the, the digging up of 10 year old Twitter posts where they were like rapping some lyric and they say like the N word. It's like, do you not have better shit to do than like because people get mad about that stuff? And I I literally laugh so hard at it because I'm just like the fact that Joey Bosa, when he got famous, didn't go to his girl and be like, hey, babe, you're getting all new social media. Like, we're, I don't give a fuck how attached you are to this or that. Mostly because just like you understand the world around you, like whether because I can go back and I'm like, dude, I don't care that they said N word, bro. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care about this person or whatever. Now, if they just have hate speech around black people, women, men, whatever, like, I care more about that. Like, fuck that person. Take their shit away. But, like, if, if you catch somebody just being a kid, I'm like, you know how much shit I've said that wasn't filmed or recorded? Like, if there was a camera walking behind me, then they'd be like, nah, bro, we're not, we're not going to fuck with this person. That's, that's my thing. So, like, whenever all of this stuff was happening a few years ago, right? So, like, there there have been phases and waves of witch hunts. and Dude, you brought up the Roethlisberger one. I completely forgot about that stuff. But like, there there were were waves of these things. So so like the 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 sexual assault allegations and, and all of that. And then I, I remember like in 2020, it was a lot of like the the racism and like you know xenophobia or like you know anti this, anti that, hatred this, whatever, right? But I remember that there have been waves, and I'm like thinking about my own past. And I'm like, have I ever posted anything that could be even interpreted? Like this, like, like even like joking, like if there, has there ever been a time whenever I've joked about something and if someone were to pull that out of context, it would look bad or I'm also the traffic stop one was hilarious. Huh? The traffic stops one was, was public. Bro. Yeah. But like, so, so there like stuff like that. Right. But then even like thinking back and it's like, okay, like all of like the sexual encounters that you've had in the past, it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe like there was alcohol involved in some of these, like. Like what, what are the, like, where are the boundaries drawn? Like, and like, you kind of start overthinking a lot of this shit too. And for me, like, I'm, I'm saying this, but like, I'm very comfortable in, in my past. I'm very comfortable the past in, as it relates to these things, right? Like, like we've talked about before, I have a, a checkered past in other ways, but, um, but dude, it's like the thing that has always blown my mind about some of this stuff, like the witch hunts, right? Is that. If you look hard enough at anyone, they become a witch. Yep. At anyone, like no one's closet is clean. No one's. And like what you said, if there's a camera following you around, you've said some shit in the past that you would not want to be public, or you've done some shit in the past that you would not want your your friends or family to know about. But the thing is, is that now pretty much everything is recorded. Like there's there are very few places that you can go that there's not a camera watching you at all times, right? Like that sounds like a little bit dystopian and fucked up to think about, but like, it's true. And 
bro, like you think that Meta can't tap into your microphone on your phone at any time that you want to, that they want to, right? Like you, you think that that all of this shit is that around that is around you, that if it were to come up in the future that you were running for president, let's say, right? That people would not find ways or have ways to go back and destroy you. Yeah. Like everyone has those skeletons. And for me, I think it's that's that's always been something that has been difficult for me to reconcile with the aggressiveness that has been put into some of these like campaigns, like smear campaigns or movements, right? Where it's like, man, like this just feels like you're asking for your shit to get blasted whenever the tables turn eventually, because they always do, right? Like you just got to be careful, like who you're anchoring yourself to or what movement you're anchoring yourself to. Because if it's like, whether it's political or social, whatever, like the pendulum always swings back and forth. So eventually you're going to be on the wrong side of this shit and people are going to come for you too. Like you have to understand that stuff. So it dude, it's always just blowing my mind how people can act a certain way whenever they start to get a, a taste of a little power. Right. And I mean, dude, I mean, this is a completely separate topic, so I'm not even going to try and dip into that, but, um, but no, it's just that, that it's just mind blowing. It's ironic though, right? Like we're talking about mental health, a place in which everyone wants their actions, their words, their, their, whatever, the way they show up to put into context. And yeah. then you have something like this, where it's like, you strip away all context. You're not allowed to, to say like, you were just young and stupid. You're not allowed to say that you didn't know any better. You're not allowed to say that you've learned and you are now doing this. And, and, you know, it's, it's a weird like dichotomy to like, look at like, cause like the same people involved on both sides, right? Like, Typically, the same brained people involved on both sides. <clears throat> um, you know, I think that when people sit there, coming back to like the people who quickly ascribe themselves as like, ah, this is me. I, I struggle with this, struggle with that. It makes me feel like you spent more time looking for an excuse for your behavior and what you do than you did looking for how to process it in a way that is more conducive to you being a beneficial member to the societal circle you have right you you looked oh i i lash out at people i do this sometimes I, so i'm just I, I struggle with this and this is what i do but you didn't spend that same time saying how can i not prick the people around me how can i show up a little better how can i process these things in a way that you know doesn't hurt the people around me and does put me in a better position i i look at it like I said this before on social media that a lot of people think they're the main character, like the whole main character era. You're not a fucking main character. Most of you are lowest lane. Like that's because that's, that's, that's the role that you're playing. Most of you are lowest because you want to be the hero until it gets hard or until you have to own up to some shit. And then you want someone to come in and say, it's okay. You want someone to come in and save you and, and make it all okay. Bro. So no, no, what everyone is actually is what's it's not lowest lane. What is the fucking, um, the newspaper editor what's his name oh jimmy it's jay something right oh you're talking about the oh okay you're going you're going spider-man yeah uh yeah yeah ah fuck the dude Wait, must have what was like superman sorry yeah yeah but yes what's his name i i i forget his name but i know what you're talking about yes spider-man he, he's, he's the tabloids guy right he's the guy yeah. pointing to skip bayless like that that kind of character that's who everyone like well not everyone that's who a lot of people are they're they're not even the lowest lanes they're not even the mjs they're they're the the tabloid 
editors. They're they're the newspaper editors. They're the the opinion writers. They're the yes. ones. They're the ones that are telling everyone else what they should be doing. While not Jay Jonah Jameson. Yeah, bro. I said I knew, I knew it was Jay something. Yeah, but like they're the ones that are telling everyone else what they need to do, how they need to live, what they need to say, what is what is okay, what is acceptable. But they're not actually living that, right? And this is an, like this is another thing that you see all the time. It's you see people who are publicly saying one thing and privately doing another. And I've said this multiple times where I'm like, live it. Like if you want people to take you seriously in your opinion, what you're saying in your movement, live it, right? If you're that extreme in what you want, or like if you think that this change is is absolutely necessary, right? If you're someone who, again, like kind of anti-capitalist, all these things, right? Bro, don't fucking, don't be sending that tweet from your your iPhone. Like live your shit. If you truly believe in a movement, live your shit, you know? And again, it's the same thing with like the mental health stuff. You're saying, you know, it's much easier to make an excuse. And I, I 100% agree with that. It is so much easier to make an excuse than it is to actually do any type of work to be better. But part of the thing is, is like you can, you can be someone who suffers from mental health issues. And you can also have the awareness to say, this is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. I want to do better. I do not want to make this mistake again. So if you're someone who is prone to lashing out, is is prone to like, let's just say like violent episodes or, you know, you yell at people and you just like, you this disillusion all those around you, right? Like it's just very difficult for you to be around. Well, you can come down off of that, that high, that, that anger outburst. And you can view what you're doing whenever you're in a better state of mind or what you've done and say, well, that's not who I want to be. I want to do a better job in the future of preventing that from happening. But not enough people actually take that approach. They say, oh, that's just who I am. It's because of my my issues that I suffer with, my mental health issues, because I'm bipolar. And because I'm bipolar, that means that like I, I'm going to always just be get upset sometimes and I'm going to be loud and I'm going to hurt your feelings. And that's just my bipolar. It's like, well, you know, that's giving context, but that's not the reason. That's not the reason for why you're saying and doing things. That's It's contextual for sure. But the way that that should be approached is I'm going to try my best to rectify this and make sure that this does not happen again. I'm going to do what I need to do on my end to prevent this from happening again. And not enough people do that. Not enough people do that. It's just, again, it's like the, the pointing of fingers anywhere but yourself. It's, it's outward. It's always looking at excuses that have nothing to do with you actually doing the, the necessary things to improve yourself. It's, it's interesting because I look at this and I think this comes back to like that hyper rationality and I don't think that it can be reduced to something as simple as this, but I, I think that metaphorically it works. Doing something bad, hurting someone and then blaming it on your anxiety, your depression, your bipolar-ness, um, your bipolar disorder rather. And then saying it, this is why I did it and like, give me, like, forgive me. Like, it's okay. Like we can be okay. Like is like saying as a drunk driver, I cannot be held accountable for the fact that I killed somebody. Right. Because I was drunk. If I was, if I was driving under normal, sober, whatever, like I would have been fine. And it's like, no, <laughs> like that's not how that works. Right. Like 
you made those decisions, you knew this, right? So once you are aware, that's what you've been talking about. Once you are aware, I can't keep giving you an excuse. I can always understand. I can always have empathy, right? Like we've had it. We've had it before. Like things are going up and down and like you start to recluse a little bit and I'll just check in on you. Hey, what's going on? You check in on me. Like if I'm doing this or I'm kind of like scarce or sporadic. And then learning to not take that to heart and go, he's, he's, he's attacking me, right? He's trying to hurt me is definitely important on my end. And also owning up and saying, yeah, bro, I was just struggling with some shit last week. I'm sorry. I'm back. We're good. Like that, like collective ownership of it is just to me, super, super important. And I, I don't understand why to me, it feels so weird. Cause I don't know about you, but I try to, as we probably get ready to wrap up here is I, I try to <clears throat> wrap my mind around the idea of being able to blame everyone else or everything else for something that's happened to me or how I feel. And there's nothing that makes me feel more powerless. There's nothing that makes me feel like I have zero control. I would kill myself. If I truly, like, I, I might say that, like, that's truly how I feel. That's how strongly I feel about this. If I felt that I had no control over anything anyway, and especially things with me, I, what's the point to me and like living? Like, to, to go out and every time something comes up, it's someone else's fault. It's something else's fault. It just seems like such a, like, really boring and helpless existence like it's just a really weird thing for me to try to wrap my head around like it's no matter what i'm like dude i can have no arms and something could require me to have arms or some other extra limbs and i'm like i'm gonna use my mouth use my feet i gotta figure it out i'm not gonna just keep blaming my life on the fact that i don't have arms this is no disrespect to people who are amputees because i've seen people who are amputees who have done amazing things without those arms and so it's not any sort of targeted either one of them so much it is that like it is possible and once you realize it's possible you can no longer say it's not you can say you don't want to do it you can say you don't want to do the work you don't want to overcome your depression you don't want to overcome this you don't want to overcome that because when you want to to me you will you will work and you will do those things that are constantly doing it you might never get to the point to where you can say i'm in remission like this another no longer a thing for me right i don't suffer the the symptoms of that anymore but the active effort every single day and trying to get better, to me, is the way you show up and retain power over your own life. The minute you go, not my problem because I can't control it. This is just the way it is, just the way I am. What's the point in living after that? Like, what is the point in continuing to exist if you're willing to relinquish every ounce of power you have to circumstance or other people acting on your life? Bro, you're, I can tell you're reading Man's Search for Meaning. That's crazy. It's rubbing off, man. But this is, this is also, you know, very much how I've always felt, which is why I wanted to read the book. You know, you mentioned it and I'm like, I keep meaning to read it, keep meaning to read it. Um, so it's nice to be able to sit down and be able to dive into it. But I mean, it's it's huge. Like the minute you sit there and like you man search for meaning for those who have not read it by Viktor Frankl, a survivor of concentration camps, right? Like objectively, one of the worst places you could probably have been in history, right? Um and he talks about like his will to keep on and where it came from and the question we all have to answer for ourselves. And so, you know, as a person who lost a lot of autonomy over his own life, like everything was stripped from him. Every sense of self was stripped from him externally. He had to look internally. And I think that that to me is a very strong message in that and the idea that like the minute that you sit there and you start going, you can't because they, I can't because it. It's like, uh, you probably should pause for a second. Like, just pause for a second 
and think about your involvement in your own existence or in your own actions and then reevaluate before you continue with that state. I agree with that. Um, I mean, the reality is that everyone has different fortunes. They have different luck. They have different circumstances. Some people are more privileged than others in life. And that's the reality. That's, that is, that is the world. It, life isn't fair and that isn't fair, but it's true. It is, it is the way that all of this operates and the way that it works. And we can do what we can to try to equalize things and normalize them, but there's only so much that we could do, right? Like if you're born to a billionaire in Manhattan, your life is going to be different no matter how you slice it to someone who's born in a slum in India. Like, like there are large differences in, in those upbringings and the opportunities that you have. And same thing, kind of just like going back to some kind of like mental health disorder, right? Like some people are going to severely struggle with mental health. Some people are going to be relatively normal and they're not going to have that handicap. And so you can't always control the situation and you can't always control the circumstances that you find yourself in. But it sounds so freaking stupid and so cliche, but like you can control your reaction. Like you can control the way that you you try to to grow from that and the way that you try and approach it and you can you can control the grace that you show in dealing with with bad circumstances and if you're someone who is consistently looking outward and consistent consistently taking the the victim the victim stance then you're not doing yourself any favors and i think that that's an important thing to say as well is that you need to be able to accept accept some kind of accountability for your life, like what you're saying, like you need to feel in control of something to be able to actually move forward, right? If you have no control, truly have no control over anything, then what's the purpose? Like nothing that you're doing in life means anything anyway. It's all dictated by someone else or something else. So there's no point in you trying at that point, but that's not the reality. And the reality is that like we all have some aspect of control over some parts of our lives. And at the very minimum, it's how we can respond to the things that happen in our lives. And again, I, that's pretty easy for me to say being uh, a white dude. But like, at the same time, I do think like we've seen it across every spectrum, right? Like there are people that like, again, like the Victor Frankl's, there are people that grow up in slums in India. There are people who grow up in civil wars. There are people who grow up in the worst environments possible. And they're still very positive, optimistic people who continue to work hard for whatever reason. And it's like... Well, bro, if they can do it, like your sadness today doesn't all of a sudden seem that bad whenever you're driving in your car to work at your six-figure job and you're coming home to a family that loves you. Sorry that you're you're so sad. It's like relative or things are relative, obviously, right? And I talked about this before, how it's often very challenging to directly compare suffering yeah. across different people. But at the same time, like not hard to know whenever you have things in your life to be appreciative for and things to be grateful for. Most people just don't take the time to actually notice them because they're so focused on the things that are challenging in their life or the things that are negatives or the things that are struggles. And I mean, honestly, like so much can be done by just literally fucking taking a breath every once in a while and just understanding how good your life actually is. And anyone who's listening to this fucking podcast, like your life is probably pretty good because you have access to listen to podcasts. Yeah, like I said, taking a deep breath. And, you know, you mentioned that earlier, and I even thought to myself, like, it's 
and I know like you and I probably think the same, right? Like, I don't realize how objectively troubled my childhood or life might look to someone who maybe hasn't experienced things that I experienced until I start recanting stories and I go, wow. And I go, I guess that was pretty fucked up. Yeah. You know, like when I talk, talk about a story and I go, yeah, da, 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 and I like haphazardly say, yeah. And then like my dad like texted me and told me that he only had two sons, which meant he was like removing me as one of his sons. Like he now denounced the idea that I was his kid anymore. And I was like 12 and they go, really? And I'm like, oh, I guess that was fucked up. Like, like you don't really think about it back, back then. Right. Um, and I think it's important to hear other people's stories, not because I think that the person who maybe has gone through with less objective trauma should not complain or should not have a worry. Like, I think it is important to recognize, like it is, like you said, it's all relative. Your struggle is your struggle and it's relative to what you've been through. So, you know, a person might be losing their house. Another person might have... I don't know, like be getting a new job and going through that stress. And to them, it feels like the world is crumbling because of whatever's going on. And this other person feels exactly the same about losing their house. And objectively, one sounds a lot worse. Yeah. You don't want to discredit the person who's going through what they're going through. But I do think that that person hearing other people's stories, stuff like this, sharing, being able to have that open dialogue. I do think that is the cool thing about people being able to share their stories on social media is that you don't feel alone if you're going to something similar. And also you can put things in perspective so that you can afford yourself to take that breath. Like, hey, you know, today fucking sucks. And so did yesterday. And so did the fucking week before that. And also I have a beautiful girlfriend. I live in an awesome city. I have two beautiful dogs that are healthy. I'm healthy. I can go to the gym. I can walk. I can run. Those are just the solid reminders. And it comes from that perspective of understanding like, okay, like objectively my struggle, my strife, the things I'm overcoming are not as big as they could be. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Let's wrap this up. Sweet. I have, uh, I don't know if you have anything on hand. Probably not. Uh, I don't know. You keep all your stuff, but because this whole episode, I think has been about just like reflecting and being able to like grow from the shit we've been through. Um, I think that. I have this pretty cool like, three-sentence thing I was going to share. <clears throat> um, and it says, I did the best I could, but if I could do it over, I'd do it better. Um, and I love that. I, mean, I wrote it one day sitting on the toilet. But I think it pays homage to who we were, and it doesn't demonize that person, right? I'm allowed to, to grieve the map that was wrong, right? I was going in the wrong direction based on what I had, the tools I had, the way I could go, right? all the mistakes, even if I knew that they were mistakes, I was still showing up the best I could in that moment. And then once I was able to overcome certain things and do it better, I can look back on this and go, oh yeah, now I would definitely do that better, which I think is a really good thing to be able to say. Like you don't want to regret shit because um, it made you who you are. And also being able to look back on something that you know objectively was wrong that you did or partook in um, and say, I could definitely do that better is promising because it shows you that you've made progress and that you're moving forward yeah it, it, i think it all comes down to awareness it's just awareness it's being able to pay attention it's being able to be more objective about yourself and more objective about like your position relative to other people around you and like your position in society and at the end of the day i know that this probably is going to be completely oversimplified but like i mean this is kind of the way that i view things right it's like are you a positive or are you a negative to everyone around you you know if you're a negative 
and that again, it's like that is making something binary that is not binary. But at the same time, if you are making the lives of the people around you harder or worse, then you are the problem. It's not other people that are the problem. You are the problem. And it is up to you to change something about yourself, mental health or not. You absolutely have to figure out something that you are doing and get rid of it or improve it. And if you're positive, then just continue doing the things that you're doing that are good and continue to isolate and notice the things that you're doing that are maybe detrimental or bad or, or you know, unproductive habits and try and slowly phase those out or shift them over to something that is more productive, right? It's, it's the people that get stuck in this rut of like, of stasis that are the ones that are the easiest to like point fingers at everyone else rather than accepting the blame for the situation that they find themselves in. And not again, like what I've, I've mentioned before, not every situation is your fault or is a person's fault. Bad things happen. They're, bad things are always going to happen. You can't always control the bad things that happen, right? But you also have to be able to take ownership of your own fucking life and your own decisions and your own actions. Mental health as contextual, you know, foundation or not, you have to be able to figure your shit out for the sake of the people around you and for the sake of, you know, you continuing to lead a valuable or productive life or whatever the fuck you define your productiveness or valuableness by. Um, but for myself, it's like one of those things where it's like, am I a net positive or am I, am I a net negative to those people around me? Right. And there've been times that I've, I could say like, I was a negative, huge negative. Now I think that I'm back in positive ter territory and that is a good feeling, you know? Yeah. But it's like, it's a good feeling, but I, I, you know, I think that most people can probably have that honest conversation with themselves and know about where they stand. And there are a lot of people who are negatives. Like, I don't want to get that fucking twisted. There are a lot of people who are actual negatives to the people around them. They're detrimental. They're making everyone's life harder and worse. And those are the people that need to like figure their shit out. Life should not stop for those people. It's unfortunate, but like they need to figure it out. They need to know or understand that they are that anchor. They're kind of a dreg and they need to fucking improve something, right? And if they can't, then they need to seek help immediately. And I think that that, again, it's, it's very binary in that way of thinking, but I think that that is a really simplified way of evaluating some of these things, right? Like if you're, if you're struggling with stuff, there's severity to it. Yeah. There's magnitude to it. There are degrees to it. Sadness does not mean depression, right? Like anxiety does not mean paralyzed. Getting energetic and, and having a little bit of insomnia or making some like, you know, rash decisions doesn't mean you're in a manic episode. So everyone needs to kind of understand where they are, the things that they struggle with, the things that are potentially detrimental to themselves. They need to just fucking slowly start working on it. Like it's really that easy. Um, but part of it does come from just the self-awareness and then also like the willing willingness to seek help whenever it's necessary to do so. 100%. I think that's a good spot to wrap up. I uh, only addendum is I'd say that simple because this shit's not. We know it's not easy, right? We know it's just not easy. We don't, I don't think it's we think it's easy. It, it is that simple though. Just looking inward. But um, but yeah, no. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in to this installment of the P two podcast. We hope that you were able to take something from it. Please 
you know, drop us, you know, thoughts, ideas, your own experiences. If you're willing to share in the comments section, we'd love to hear. Um, and then, you know, we'll look again for you next time. Again, you can find this anywhere on any listening platform that will take our money. That is Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, probably something else that Bryce pays for. So hit us up, subscribe, and let us know what you think. See you guys next time. Bye.